Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Now, you know who should be worried? Not me, but I'll tell you who should be sweating it. Kansas City's secondary. Let's get into this a little bit. It was four weeks ago that they faced this Bengals team in Cincinnati, and four weeks ago that Chiefs secondary had no answers at all. Joe Burrow, 30 of 39, 446 yards, four touchdowns. Jamar Chase, 11 receptions, 266 yards, three touchdowns. And honestly, it felt like even more than that. Felt like Chase had like 30 TDs that day. It felt like he couldn't name the score. It didn't matter what Kansas City tried to throw at him. He was running free, and Kansas City was powerless to do anything about it. And yes, I do know that the Chiefs did a good job of locking up Stephon Diggs last week. But in so doing, Gabriel Davis destroyed them. And yes, I know Kansas City is playing at home. And yes, I know they have Patrick Mahomes. And yes, I know they're hosting their fourth straight AFC Championship game. Just like I know that before two weeks ago, the Bengals had not won a playoff game this century. And that this was a two-win team, like five minutes ago. And that a rebuild is supposed to take some time. And that the Bengals have already overachieved, and this is the moment where they're supposed to get hammered, crumble, fall apart, the spotlight about to get way too bright, way too hot, the stage way too big. Yeah, You know what? I'm going to call bullcrap on all that. The stage is not too big, not for Joey Franchise, not for the chase. It's, too imp- it's impossible. Like these guys are built for it. They're ready for it. They've got too much it for the moment to be too big. They're built for moments like this. The spotlight is not too big for them because they are bigger than the spotlight. If you don't already know that, if you don't already believe that, you better get to know these guys. Stat, and I'm here to help. There are so many things that are so crazy about that Burrow to Chase connection. A, the fact that they make it look so easy. And the fact is, it does go back to college. And the best part of it is, not only do they make it look easy, not only does it go back to college, but the very best part is, it almost didn't happen. Because somebody was telling Chase that he could not play receiver at the college level. Somebody was telling him he'd be much better off as a cornerback. And why do you tell guys like that to play corner instead of receiver? Because they can't catch the ball. That's why DBs are DBs and not receivers. Because they can't catch the ball. Maybe the most insane statement ever. But Chase himself says that it's accurate and it's true. I can tell you honestly, one of, one of my best stories ever, Les Miles told me I couldn't play receiver uh, when I was coming out of high school. So, you know, that was something I had on my shoulders growing up. Les Miles told me uh, he thought I could play cornerback. Um, I wasn't really in full position at receiver yet. So, you know, I just kept working in my craft uh, off season, waking up early in the mornings to work out. Um, I just kept focused. All right, so when a player drops the line, I can tell you honestly, this is one of my best stories ever. You immediately have my attention. As a talk show host, there is nothing better than a guest saying, hey, mind if I tell you a story? And then if it's a star player like Chase, you know it's going to be a good story. And this one is, but actually so much better than I could have ever expected. I never expected one of the best stories ever to be one of the dumbest player evaluations ever. My man just drop-kicked 
the hat through the uprights from 60 yards out. I mean, let's face it, Les Miles and his rep have been pretty much shattered in recent years. There was a time when he was a beloved coach, the wacky eccentric, known for rocking that hat and chewing some grass. And yes, winning. He did win. And then it all fell apart. There was the disaster at Kansas, then the report about him contacting LSU students by Facebook and text and looking to meet up and allegedly kissing on at least one student multiple times, being told by the administration to stop contacting students, and he still continued to do so. You know, bad stuff. And now this. So it turns out not only was Lester a stone-cold creep, he was also a horrible talent evaluator as well. I mean, once in a while, you're going to miss on somebody, right? But Jamar Chase who just went for nearly 1,500 yards as a rookie, the guy who arrived in the league a few months ago and is already one of the best receivers in the NFL, was not good enough to play receiver in college. Man, that is rich. Hey, what's next, Les? You going to tell us that Joe Burrow was not good enough to play quarterback in college? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happened. And knowing Joe, I've got a pretty good idea of how he'd respond. Because Bruce Feldman's got a great piece in The Athletic breaking down Burrow's time at LSU and how this guy went from barely seeing the field at Ohio State to having one of the greatest seasons in college football history and then setting the NFL immediately on fire. How do you explain all of that? How? There's only one way. He's Joey Franchise. And you're not. In fact, even in a league of the most uncommon people on the planet, Franchise is uncommon amongst the uncommon. As an example, like that time he showed up on campus for an official visit, the OSU staff was completely blown away by how he broke down his own film at Ohio State. As Coach O said, quote, I have never heard another college football player talk about football the way he did. Listening to him, what we were looking for really wasn't so much a matter of a right or a wrong answer. It was more about his command of the process. End of quote. That's a great description. Command of the process. A great description of Joe Burrow and what he does. He commands the process. He commands the moment. Oh, and by the way, he will go. He will go. Make no mistake, this dude will go. He'll let his hands go. Yeah, I said it. Because during his first year with the Tigers, the defense was dominating in practice. Current Tampa Bay Bucks stud Devin White was talking a lot of junk as a linebacker on the LSU defense. And after another successful stop, he'd yell, yeah, that play don't work. Yeah, that play don't work. After hearing that a few times, Burrow reportedly shouted back, quote, hey, Devin, shut up, or else I'm going to come over there and beat the bleep out of you. End of quote. Pretty awesome. A guy who had not done anything at LSU yet, hadn't even won the starting job yet, And he's telling White he's going to beat the bleep out of him if he doesn't shut up. And White respected that. That's how you know Burrow's different. He's trying to fight defensive players on his own team. If you need any further proof, remember that blindside block in the Fiesta Bowl. Remember that? Midway through the first quarter against UCF, Burrow threw a pick. In fact, a pick six. Gave the Knights a 14-3 lead. As he was rushing to try to make the tackle, he was absolutely destroyed 
by a free shot, by a blindside block. Number 91 for UCF took advantage as most defenders do when there's an interception. He looked up Burroughs, found him, and absolutely knocked him out. Right. Like I said, a free shot. Who's not taking that free shot? Like, dude's arm, one arm was in the end zone, one leg was in the 10th row. Absolutely blew this guy up. So, Coach O sees Burrow walking off the field, bleeding from his face, and he called for the team's backup to get ready. Burroughs' response, quote, bleep that. Refuses to come out, leads LSU to three straight touchdowns on the next three drives to take the lead. And that was a college kid. One year later, he was pointing to his ring finger with 11 minutes left in the national championship game. I mean, cocky as hell. And it's awesome. And now he's a couple of years older, he's had way more success, and he's even cockier. But it's like a benign arrogance, a positive arrogance. And it's awesome. Like, I don't care if you love this guy or not, but actually, you know what? I do care because you have to love Burrow. It's impossible not to love this guy's attitude and his arrogance and his cockiness and how infectious it is and how he makes everybody around him better. He doesn't care if he gets his bell rung. He doesn't care if he gets the bleep kicked out of him. You want to sack him 51 times during the regular season? Cool. He'll just lead the NFL in completion percentage and yards per attempt. Just think about that for a minute. How absurd is that? He got sacked 51 times, and he leads the NFL in those categories. In other words, you're not getting under this guy's skin. You're not getting in his head. Oh, and he's pissed. He's pissed that Cincy is the underdog. Now, does that sound, any of that sound like a guy who's going to turtle on the big stage on Sunday? Hell no. Now, I can't guarantee they'll win. And by the way, they might. I can't guarantee they'll win, but I can guarantee that Joe Cool will show up and that you're going to have to literally kill this guy to get him off the field. The Titans damn near did, and he's still here, and they're at home. 1-800-636. 8-6-8-6. I mean, it's so awesome. It's so awesome when you have an athlete say, hey, I got a story. In fact, you want one of my best stories? One of my best stories ever. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I love that. Now, let me tell you what's equally unawesome. You know what's not awesome? A caller who says he has his best story. Because just because you think it's a great story does not make it a great story. The next time a clone tells me the best story ever is coming, it'll be the first. Are you listening to me, Zone 3 guy? And if it's not the worst story, it's just a flat-out lie. Like that dude Justin in HB telling me his great OJ golf story back in the day. I'm walking up to the first tee, and there's a couple there. And the guy turns around, and boom, it's OJ Simpson with his new girlfriend. And this was maybe a month after the trial. And I'm like, this can't be happening. And so I'm thinking, you know, what do you even say to the guy? And he's like, hey, I'm OJ. This is my girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. Now, this is going to sound even weirder, but he was the most likable, personable guy. He was going on about his days at USC, his days in Buffalo. You know, he bought me a couple beers, got me lunch. 
So whenever somebody says they've got a bad story, a caller, it's either a crappy story or it's just a flat-out lie, like that guy. You know, as Les goes, you know, I really want to kill the guy for saying that Jamar Chase is not a wide receiver. But, you know, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe Les was right. Because if Chase is this good playing wide out, my man could have been Dion, D. Green, Revis, and Champ Bailey all rolled into one on the island. Just ask less. Or, you know, maybe maybe when it first came up and he had to evaluate Chase, maybe Les was having a, quote, heartfelt when he told Chase that. Uh, the opportunity to get out and, and do uh, community enhancement and be involved with, uh, um, you know, the... the uh, um, be involved with the the, um, the 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 many um, things. <laughs> I'm having a little uh, heartfelt here, or a stroke. Damn, that was cringy. Awkward. I'm having Awkward. a little uh, heartfelt here, or an aneurysm. It not only not only was that bad, it's still not as bad as saying that Jamar Chase can't play wide receiver in college. And back to Joe for a minute. If y'all are still struggling to get Joe Burrow, let me use his words. This is what this guy had to say after they beat the Raiders. I mean, it's exciting, but you know, it's this was expected. You know, I wasn't. This isn't like the the icing on top of the cake or anything. This is the t- this is the cake, and so we're we're moving on. I got you, Flatline. I got you. In other words, these playoff games, these games that are getting the city of Cincy all riled up are nothing more than generic yellow sponge cake. No icing, no frosting, no sprinkles, no fondue. SOP, standard operating procedure. No one's going to grab that ice tube and write out congratulations, Cincinnati. Like that Raider win was vanilla Tennessee was the marble cake. If they beat KC now, that might be something. Maybe a bunt cake. Maybe pound cake at best. This is the cake. Hey, let me ask you something. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login info for all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all your entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the very best part, there is no annual contract. So, get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. I use it. I love it. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device is required. Content varies by package. Ross Tucker, NFL. He is a very good friend of the program. He appears courtesy of my front page story. Ross, what's going on? How are you? 
Jim, fantastic, man. How are you? I am so good. So good. Listen, Ross, before we talk football, I have to jump into this with you. we got to start with some food. I saw you hit up five guys recently. It's a very controversial topic here on the program. How did that, not that you went, but just five guys as an entity, how did it go for you, and where does that burger rank for you among the great fast food burgers? Do what you do. Break it down. Yeah, so it's awesome, but I'm kind of on a mission here, Jim. I've been posting on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL. Here's what I don't understand. Do you realize that Five Guys is obviously delicious, but that the burgers are well done? Because meanwhile, like if I'm at home, if I'm on the grill in the summer by the pool or whatever, if I ever make a burger well done, that thing is garbage. You know, like, I don't think he's listening, so I'll just say it. My father-in-law overcooks burgers uh, because of where they're from, and they're terrible. It takes all the flavor and taste out of it. Like, I like a medium burger, not a well-done. So I think I understand now they're super thin patties, and they just well-done them real quick on each side, and then you're eating it fresh. But I'm amazed that they can have well-done burgers taste that good because I can't, I've never had another good, well-done burger anywhere else that I know of. Certainly not any that I've grilled myself. Yeah, no, I don't understand that at all. I, I don't get well-done anything. Not well, not well-done, <laughs> not medium. Hey, Ross, I feel really strongly about this. I'm medium rare. I mean, the red and the more rare it is, the better. But normally when people call up in here and they get caught up in this, they're caught up in how expensive Five Guys is. I don't really know because I'm in and out through and through, and I've only been to the joint once. But normally it's more about the cost than how they cook it. I didn't even know they cooked those burgers well-done. Yeah, and here's the deal, okay? So I went with my two daughters, just me and my two daughters. And i got to be honest with you, like, I'm pretty fiscally conservative in terms of spending money, but I don't really skimp when it comes to food, if you catch my drift. I right? Like, I never let money make my food decisions. I will say, though, I ordered, like, for my daughters, they're eight and nine, and me, we all got one entree small fries and a shake, of course, uh, because that's what you do when you go to a place. Like, if let me just tell you, if you're listening right now, if you go to a burger place and you don't get fries or milkshake, what is even going through your skull? What kind of life are you trying to live? That's part of the process, okay? You get a milkshake, you get fries, that's what goes with the burger. But anyway, Jim, to your point, it was over 50 bucks. Yeah. I was a little surprised. Look, I don't really care. It was worth it. I'll go to Five Guys every day for $100. I don't care because it's worth it because it tastes delicious. But I was a little bit surprised because the other place I usually take my daughters before ballet class is Panera. And I ordered on my phone. And Panera, we get great meals, kind of healthy, $28. So Five Guys is almost double Panera which is also pretty delicious and healthier. I think it's interesting. Look, it, evidently it doesn't matter, Jim. Everybody's paying. Everybody's going. So what do they care? I mean, they'll probably jack the price up even more after they hear this call. I'll tell you what's interesting, Ross, is that we're not going to talk football at all today. So back to this whole notion of milkshakes. For instance, some of these joints have incredible milkshakes, and some have really bad milkshakes. What kind of milkshake do you get? What flavor? 
a great call um, at Five Guys. And I'll say this. I think their milkshakes are good. They're not, like, phenomenal, okay? Uh, and I haven't been to In-N-Out in a while to remember what an In-N-Out uh, shake is like. Uh, but I will say this. I'm a chocolate peanut butter guy. I, I recently discovered this, that chocolate peanut butter is the perfect flavored milkshake. I'll go Oreo, like cookies and cream, every once in a while to change it up. And just plain chocolate is fine. But chocolate peanut butter is like the perfect combination of flavor. Plus, I've convinced myself that the peanut butter has some protein in it. So, like, on some faraway planet, I'm being a little bit healthy when I get the peanut butter in there with my chocolate shake for a chocolate peanut butter. I can rock that. I can go with that. So where can you get a chocolate peanut butter shake? Well, uh, five Guys has them. That's why I mm. get a Five Guys. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, they have them. They have, now, here's my thing, though. It's probably like some peanut butter sauce. Right? Like the best places you go for milkshakes – you actually see them do the whole thing. It's actually, you know, I'll, I'll give you, you know what? You know who has an awesome milkshake for a fast food place? Chick-fil-A. Hmm. Chick-fil-A. I don't even know what hand-spun means, but I love their hand-spun cookies and cream. Evidently, I'm a big hand-spun guy when I didn't even know that there was such a thing as a hand-spun milkshake till I was like 30-something, but I've decided I'm team hand-spun. I have no idea what that even means, a hand-spun shake. But if it tastes like that, you're right. It doesn't really matter. So then, Ross, finally, the question that you get all the time now, especially because your social media account is filled with food, dude, you look amazing. You've never looked better. I know you're taking care of yourself. How are you doing this? I mean, are you hitting hard, hard cardio? What is your workout regimen now, and how are you able to mix that in and still look like that and still do what you're doing with your hand-spun shakes? Yeah, so this is the only way I've been able to kind of maintain where I'm at, like around 250, is I eat pretty healthy for the most part Monday through Thursday because I just have to. So I'll have like a salmon and a veggie and a nice salad so that on the weekend, so like tomorrow morning, I will be flying to Kansas City tomorrow, and I'm on the sideline for Westwood One for the Chiefs and the Bengals, right? So I already got it hooked up, going to a barbecue joint that has good beer in Kansas City tomorrow night with Tony Baselli, who's in the booth. He might have been a better player than me, Jim, but I'm, I'm much better than him where it really matters, which is drinking beer and eating food. So he can maybe be in the Hall of Fame this year for football, but listen, we're in our 40s now. Who cares how good you were at football back in your 20s? What matters now is how you produce off the field, drinking and eating. So I will put a Hall of Famer to shame tomorrow night at a barbecue place in Kansas City. And that's what I like to do. I like to eat and drink. And then the press box food, Kansas City is typically pretty solid. I will say this, though, Jim. Number one in my press box rankings for the Ross Tucker podcast after last week for this season, Tampa Bay. Mm. Tampa Bay, man. They had like five different entrees, and then they have the world-famous Bananas Foster at halftime. Don't tell anybody this. I know nobody's listening. They won't say anything. I had three Bananas Foster at a 10-minute halftime. Three. Huge scoop of vanilla, and then I love when they pour the warm – like banana sauce on, 
because then it's such a it's such a rush to eat all of the ice cream before it melts. It's like you might get a brain freeze. There's no excuses. Brain freeze or no brain freeze, you get through that that scoop of ice cream before it melts. I got back in line. I put a hat on so the guy didn't know it was me again. Got back in line again. I am confident that nobody has ever gotten back in that line. No beat writer has ever gotten back in that line three times for Bananas Foster in one halftime when I had like eight minutes till I had to be back on the air. I took down three Bananas Foster in eight minutes. All right, so here's the thing, Ross. Like, I said it, I was kidding, and now I'm not kidding. There's no way I'm going to ruin a perfect conversation by talking football. We're not doing that. So I've got a reaction. Ross Tucker is joining us. He's appearing courtesy of my front page story. I've got a couple of things I want to react to really quickly. I, too, will be in Kansas City. I will be there, and I know that the next thing you're going to do out of guilt, you're going to invite me to hang out with you and Tony Baselli, and the answer is no, because I know I can't keep up with the two of you BMS. I cannot keep up with the two of you BMS. But this thing about you smashing three banana fosters at halftime, I am curious about this because you are a pro's pro, and I've always said this. I try to limit, and believe me, I'm a food dude, and I get into the wrong things. I get into the pantry, and bad things happen. I try and do better. But on days that I work, I try to be very careful. How is it that you could go that hard at halftime and not feel dull and not have it impact your performance in any way on air? Yeah, heavily caffeinated, heavily caffeinated. So I talked to the girl that was there, and a lot of people didn't realize it because they didn't put it out in front of everybody. They had Coke Zero. I'm a a big Coke Zero guy. So at halftime, I had her give me three more, and then I I got two cups of ice. So I I was in the booth with Dave Pash. Mike Golick was on the sideline for that game. So I just had the Coke Zeros lined up. And honestly, I think for some people, I think three bananas foster might issue, you know, might, might be an issue for their stomach or might like, you know, be a sugar high and then they come down. That, that doesn't affect me. I'm not like some mere mortal. You know what I mean? Like this is what I do professionally. This is what I've been doing my whole life. So it doesn't really affect me like that. In fact, after the game, Golik and I went to P.F. Chang's, had a beer, and got the uh, General So's chicken, the Bang Bang shrimp. So when I'm on a weekend, like, I don't like being away from my family every weekend. I've been away every weekend since the Eagles' first preseason game. So if I'm going to do that, I'm going to enjoy it, and then i got to make up for it during the week. I work out eight to ten times a week. So at least once every day, sometimes twice. I don't know, by the way, if I would recommend this to all the other people listening, but I'm healthy Monday through Thursday-ish Friday. I work out a lot so that on the weekends when I'm traveling, I can enjoy every aspect of that place. The beer, the food. I don't ever want to relent. Like, that's that's my enjoyment, part of being a broadcaster. Hey, Ross Tucker joining us. Ross, I will tell you, I live that life, and I still live that life, flat out. But I lived that life for so many years where I'm not even kidding you. I, I understand this so clearly, literally, literally, and because I, I'm a guy who gets on the scale like five times a day, literally I could gain five pounds every weekend, and then I would spend the next four days, Monday through Thursday, cutting weight cutting that weight so I could run it back again on the weekends. That's kind of what you're talking about, right? I lived that life for years, if not decades. And if I'm being honest, I still do. 
258 to 248, Jim. On Mondays, I'm 258. By Friday morning this morning, I'm 248. And then tonight, I'm actually home, so I'll have a few beers and go out to dinner with my wife, date night. Then I get on the plane tomorrow. I'll have a ton of barbecue and beers Saturday night with Baselli. Not a ton of beers, but I'll have a ton of barbecue. I'll have a few beers. And then Sunday after the game, we'll go back to the hotel. We'll be watching Niners, Rams, more food, more beers. I'll fly home Monday morning, and when I get on the scale, it'll be 258. It's a vicious 10-pound cycle. But here's the thing. I'm a little bit better about it sometimes in the offseason, believe it or not, because it's very hard to eat healthy when you travel. Like, there's just not as many options. Plus, you're traveling. You're trying to have fun. You're out to dinner. Like, I'm not going to be that guy out to dinner in Kansas City, Missouri, that orders a, a Caesar salad with salmon and, and gets a, an unsweetened iced tea. I'm in Kansas City, Missouri once a year. I'm getting barbecue, okay? Otherwise, why are you even living your life? Like, if you go to Kansas City and you don't get barbecue, what is your purpose and existence as a human being? Ross Tucker is joining us, and the other thing you're not going to do, you're not going to bag up a bunch of protein and then bring it to the restaurant and just eat that. I want to ask you, Ross, before you go about Tony, so we get one football question in, but this whole thing about you're right. It's really hard to make good choices while you're traveling. I need to ask you this. How do you or what do you do with airplane food? Will you always eat the meal? Will you stay away from the meal? What about the food that comes on the plane? Well, so uh, so for Westwood One, <laughs> I'm not flying first class, so so that's that's not as much of a problem for me because they don't serve any food there anymore. But listen, I'm also that's an interesting question, right? Because on the one level, I never turn down free food. On the other level, you know, for your employers, you get expense reimbursements, right? So it's like, I don't really need to eat this. When I land, I can eat something uh, better or something that I like more because I'm getting my expenses reimbursed anyway. So it's a little bit different depending on whether it's a, a flight for work versus pleasure. I'll usually dabble at it. I'll give it a shot. You know, there might be a there might be part of it I like. I will say this, Jim, and this is, I have been upgraded several times to first class. That's always tough because there are times that I don't really feel like drinking. But where I'm from in Pennsylvania, in Reading, Pennsylvania, like I feel like I would be totally disrespectful to everybody where I'm from and all my buddies if I got upgraded to first class and did not get three free beers on the plane. Like, what? again, I, my, my 10th grade self would punch me in. I don't care if it's Sunday morning. If you're in first class, you get two or three free beers. That's, you owe that to everybody that will never be in first class, everybody from your hometown that has never had really a free beer. So there are times where it almost feels like a chore to have that Sierra Nevada pale ale that they give out in first class. But, that, I mean, I, I am an American, and I'm a Pennsylvanian, and I owe it to everybody to have those free beers when I do get upgraded. I was going to say, Ross, it's a reason to go. Add that to the list of reasons to go. Somebody spits in your face, you go. You turn down free beer in first class, 
somebody's going to get the hands really quickly. So, like, Ross, I know, Ross Tucker, my guest, I, I know he's going to end up there at some point, but back to Tony Baselli. How the hell is this guy not in the Hall of Fame? Oh, man, don't even get me started. Uh, it's extremely frustrating. And what I can tell you is my rookie year was 01. I played 01 to 08. But when I was in high school and college, right, so – my junior and senior year in high school, my four years in college, those six years, Tony Baselli was the guy. He was the guy you wanted to be. And I personally think Jonathan Ogden and Orlando Pace were terrific. The two best guys I saw on tape were, were Tony Baselli and Walter Jones. But because they were in Seattle and Jacksonville and their teams didn't win Super Bowls, they never got as much attention as Ogden, who's wonderful, and Pace, who's outstanding. But, I mean, you ask, ask like Roman Oban, ask any DNs or left tackles, O-linemen, that played in the late 90s, I am confident most of them will tell you that Baselli was the best one. So if he's the best one for six years, to me, it's crazy that he hasn't gotten in. Even some of the guys that have gotten in that played guard, I played guard, okay? People like me could play guard and function. I would have gotten destroyed at tackle like Baselli was out there. He was out there blocking Bruce Smith and these guys one-on-one. -on -one. I could never do that in a million years, whereas I started like 25 games, played 45 at center and guard, you know, people like me, average journeymen like me could hold it down inside, not outside. Baselli was tremendous, and I just feel like we shouldn't blame him because he played through terrible shoulder injuries when he probably shouldn't have, but he's a maniac, and he wanted to be out there because the Jags were good, and he ruined his shoulders. Like, that's not a reason why a guy shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, and any argument that there is, for Terrell Davis, who's in the Hall of Fame, that's Tony Baselli of the O-line. Tony Baselli is the Terrell Davis of offensive linemen. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Hopefully it's this year. I think he's been a finalist five years now. He is a more impressive offensive lineman, in my mind, than some of the guys that have gotten in the last couple of years, who I love. Fanica, love him. Hutchinson, love him. But what Baselli did, to me, is clearly more impressive than what those guys did. You know, you made the point. I was going to mention Terrell Davis, and I've got no issue at all with him being in, but he got in essentially for four years, and I am old enough. I was there. We used to have Tony on the show all the time. I would go to Jacksonville, Ross, during that time when they were great. Man, this guy was an absolute animal, a beast, like eight foot eight, athletic, strong, agile, technically superior. And, yeah, he was hurt, but he played through it. But I, I agree with you. To me, it's, it's not a question of if. It's a matter of when, and it should have already happened. We are already way over, but there's no way I let you go without asking you about my front-page story, Ross, because Valentine's Day is coming up. The clones have crashed the server before, so I want to get them in early. How busy are things about to get? Well, crazy. So, Jim, we talked about it twice during the holidays. Both times you crashed the website. Like I've told you this before, the website, myfrontpagestory.com, has only ever crashed twice. The two times in Christmas that you and I talked about it. So I don't know, do I pay for upgraded servers 
or do I just like, I don't know, do the Jim Rome boost right before I come on with you? I told you before, if there's any company out there that's thinking about advertising and they haven't advertised with you, they are morons. I go on a million radio stations. Jim Rome show is the only one that crashes the server. And I always get nervous because I wonder how many people went to myfrontpagestory.com and they weren't able to order because it crashed right after I talked to Jim on his show. Here's all you need to know. It's the best Valentine's Day gift ever. When you give it to your wife, she will be like, wait, what, what is this? And you say, hey, babe, I had a story written about you. She will be blown away. She won't even know that that's a thing. She won't even know that people can do that. She will think you are the Mac Daddy most romantic guy of all time, that you took the time to have a story written about her. And then when they read the quotes about, I just never thank her for letting me watch football all day on Sundays, or all the little, th- all you have to say is the little things she does that she thinks I don't notice or don't appreciate, she will cry. So she'll think it's amazing you got the story written. And then when she actually reads your quotes, she will cry. You will win myfrontpagestory.com. If the website crashes when you go there right now, just come back later today or come back tomorrow. It's not my fault. Jim has so many amazing listeners. Myfrontpagestory.com. That is amazing. Ross Tucker, my guest. I want to add to this. The reason you want to do that is because she will know you put thought into it. She will know you didn't just lay it up, lay it up, mail it in, and not give it any thought. You thought to yourself, man, I've got to do something different. I have to do something different. I want to think about this. Myfrontpagestory.com. Clones, do it. Do it now. The value proposition is amazing, and you will be a legend, and she will love you for it. Ross, what can I say? Right when I think that you can't make it any better or raise that bar any higher, you go next level with it. Great job. Have a great weekend. I will look for you down the field. Just find some middle-aged Californian who's freezing his ass off and not dealing with the elements. That will be me. (laughs) Dude, that sounds awesome. And you just made a great point, okay? If you just do what you always do for Valentine's Day, that's like being in Kansas City and getting an unsweetened iced tea and a salad, okay? Don't be that guy for Valentine's Day with your wife. Your wife is awesome. Life is too precious. Get the barbecue. Get the beer. Get the myfrontpagestory.com. Jim, you're a legend. Hey, you want a new podcast to look forward to every single week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Of course you do. The average podcast listener has six shows in rotation, so you're most likely not just listening to The Daily Jungle, and that's totally fine. In fact, let me suggest a podcast that you should add to your list. It's The Jordan Harbinger Show, a top-shelf podcast named Best of Apple in 2018. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people from athletes, authors, and scientists to mobsters, spies, hostage negotiators, and more. Jordan is one of the goats when it comes to podcasting, and he has got one of the most highly rated self-development shows out there right now. Point blank, this dude is smart, he's funny, he is easy to listen to. You will find actionable advice that can improve your life directly. You cannot go wrong with adding the Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It is incredibly interesting. There is never a dull show. Search for the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. R. 
Here we are. Here the bleep we are. Here we are. Championship the, weekend. We are. Which means it's one of the biggest big head bet segments of the entire calendar year. It is still free. And still, there is nobody better. No one better, if you ask me, than the big head himself. Legendary XR4TI, James Kelly. How you feeling, head? Ahead of championship weekend, did you, for instance, wake up feeling dangerous? Better yet, did you wake up feeling smart? Did you wake up feeling lucky? What is it, head? How you feeling? I'm amped for this, gym. I am amped for the weekend, but I'm a little upset, too, knowing there's only three more freaking NFL games of the year. That's a little bit uh, harsh. I hate this. Yeah, but they're going to be three of the best oh, games man. of the Great NFL games. year. So let's yes. not worry about something that has not happened yet. <laughs> let's jump into this. Now, before we get into the entire thing, I did uh-huh. start the postseason head by saying you had an enormous regular season. You hit on better than 60% against the spread. It's a huge number. However, mm-hmm. you yourself admitted you want to pick it up in the postseason as you didn't do nearly as well in the playoffs last year. So what are your numbers for the postseason this year? Yeah, I got the hands last playoffs. This playoffs, we are giving... Um, these uh, playoffs, dude, but go ahead. These playoffs. We're actually kicking backside here. We are 7-3, and three, hitting on 70% of our games, Jim. Did you not want to use ass that early in the segment? Is that why you said backside? <laughs> That's right. I'm okay. saving it. I'm okay. saving it. I got a couple of them here, but 70%, dude. That's you're, good. You're, That's no, great. Seventy percent is amazing. Yeah. You're seven and three, aren't you, in the postseason? That's right. Five and one in the wild card. Two and two last week. Buffalo should have got me one more, but hey, you know, mafia, you have That's it worse. Right. All right. So if you clones had listened to the head and gotten down, you would have gotten seventy percent, and you would have gotten paid. Now, if you made it personal and you tried to fade the dude, you got dinged. So, for the ones who were smart, since Matt in L.A. is not here, I will say it for him. You're welcome. You're welcome. Actually, Matt is here. Wow. Outro. Outro. (laughs) Let's do this, Ed. All right, let's do it. AFC Championship game. Let's get at it. The AFC title game is right back where it always is, at least since Patrick Mahomes arrived at Arrowhead Stadium. Arrowhead head, of course, has got a reputation for being one of the most hostile environments in the entire league for opposing teams. No, you know what? It's got a reputation as well for being one of the most hostile environments for attending media. Actually, that's not fair. Last time I was there, I was treated extremely well by everybody except the elements. The elements nearly killed me. What I'm saying, Head, is unless you live, work, or you play there, it can be a fierce venue. But we know your guy Joe Burrow is unflappable. He is a different cat altogether. Let's get into this. Start with the line, then give me your pick. What is the big head system spitting out here? The line is KC minus seven. The system is telling me to take the Chiefs gym and lay the points, and I will do that, man. Patrick Mahomes is a whole different beast at Arrowhead in the playoffs. He's now seven and one. The one loss, I think someone jumped off sides and cost me $4,000. But Dude, you are never going to let that go, are you? Never going to let that down. One time. Watch the damn ball. Is that, is that still your pin tweet? Uh, I don't think so. I think the Tampa Bay 50-1 to winner last year is probably it Dude, now. You had, you had that as a pin tweet for a long time. You were carrying a heavy grudge. Still pinned in my damn head, D. Thank you very much. Anyways, Mahomes here. He's averaging 318 yards passing per game at home in the playoffs, Jim. And he has thrown 23 touchdowns to one interceptions. That's absolutely insane. I don't think he's going to go Ryan Tannehill this Sunday and throw it to the other team three times like Tannehill did. I love Joe Burrow. I've never seen him play a bad 
in a big game, but I've also never seen a line that bad make the Super Bowl, and I imagine Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram and Frank Clark will be all over his ass again. You can't fix cereal ass in a week, Jim. It's an off-season or two at least. Against the spread numbers, both teams are fire. The Bengals have covered six straight games and four straight road games. Kansas City has covered six straight home games. I know Cool Joe plays better when he sees a team a second time around. I just can't go with the Bengals here. I'm going to go with the Chiefs to cover and head to the Super Bowl for a third straight season. KC minus seven. Enjoy Jackson America for another few weeks. I'll tell you what. i got to be honest. I thought that the system, I really thought that the system would have you leaning Cincinnati. Oh, one thing on the quote system uh-huh. I'm not asking you to give up exactly what the system is, only that you actually have a system and you're not pulling this stuff out your ass. Is that the case? I have a system. I do pull stuff out of my ass and my gigantic head for sure, but I have several fail-safes per se to make sure I'm aligned. No emotion here. Got to go with the uh, smart choice. So I do have a system, yes. Okay, KC minus seven. Get it, clones. KC minus seven. Normally, I would chase your pick with mine, although I'm going to save my pick's head for the big show, the NFL Today on CBS on Sunday. So if you want my picks, you have to tune in on Sunday. Hey, really quickly, have you seen any action on whether or not I freeze my ass off again (laughs) and get Lockjaw on national TV again? Lockjaw, that's hysterical. No, not good odds, Jim. If it was cold out, I might get you like a plus 210 to go Matt in Cleveland because of the cold, not nerves, but nothing here. 43 degrees. You're good, man. Outro. All right, so let's talk about the NFC Championship. Thanks for having my back. Uh, I'm not sure what's more shocking to me, that the Rams and Niners' head are running it back again or that the Rams and Niners are playing for the right to get to the Super Bowl. Like, mm-hmm. you go back even a few weeks, and there's no way anybody would have thought this matchup was possible. Right. So, I don't know what's more shocking. All of that or the fact that the Niners are looking to beat the Rams for the seventh time in a row. Then again, for our purposes, that's not really the question, but rather, can they cover? What is the number you're seeing? How are you playing this one? The number is Rams minus three and a half, and Niner fan, I know how much you love me, but this week, scoot over. I'm jumping on and going with you guys and taking the points here. The rockhead Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make us all hold our breath about three times like he always does, but I like them to cover. I think Jimmy can actually attack the middle of the field off the bruising run game and move the ball, Jim. I expect Kyle to empty the entire Debo playbook on defense. Nobody plays the blitz better than Matt Stafford, and he excels in man looks. The Niners' front four can create pressure without blitzing. Nick Bosa, and namely Eric Armstead, can get after him. Their weakness is their corners, so they will have to be uh, zone-heavy this week which has worked against Stafford this year. Stafford has thrown two interceptions each game against the Niners thus far. Against the spreads, San Francisco is, San Francisco is actually the hotter team here. 4-0 and against the spread in their last four games. 4-0 and against the spread in their last four games as an underdog. And 5-1 and against the spread in their last six games as a road dog. Let's go San Francisco plus 3.5. Interesting, but not surprising. Really quickly, let me ask you something. If you were personally about to start a team and you had your choice between Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay as your head coach, who are you taking? Kyle Shanahan. I'd take Kyle Shanahan over any coach in the world now to start a team. I'm not saying he's better than the hood and those guys, but he's 42 years old. He's going to be around for a long time. The biggest difference between these two guys is Kyle's ability to change and mix up his scheme faster and quicker than Sean can. Look, dude. Kyle was institution, uh, inst, uh, that's just a what? too big of a word. I'm just trying to think. He was born into this system. He's breathed he it his what? entire he was life. He institutioned? 
Yeah, I was going to go institutionalized. Okay. That's too big. You, a word you for should Winthrop. be. But go ahead. <laughs> Kyle breathed it. He was born into it. Sean's adopted this whole thing. Kyle's Kyle knows his stuff. Kyle is better than Sean McVay. Sean McVay would probably be a second choice for it, but Kyle Shanahan is the man. All right. So really quickly, because we only have two games to pick, mm-hmm. do you see any additional action? Anything else we can hit this weekend? All right. How about like Super Bowl odds? Are they up yet? And maybe take a minute and reset who you had before the year. Yeah, so the current odds are KC plus 125, Rams plus 200, 49ers plus 450, Cincinnati plus $800 right now, which is a nice uh, bet if you want it. But on the show to start the season, I hit, and I was crushed for, of course, KC plus 500, Tampa Bay plus 600, Rams plus 1400, man. So we are looking very, very good on another future bet with KC and the Rams right now. I like that. Any other prop bets that you're looking at? Any long shot props, any other props relating to the weekend or anything between now and the Super Bowl? Yeah, so I'm going to do Super Bowl MVP right now and I go Patrick Mahomes because you can actually get him at plus 175 here. If you wait till after the Cincinnati game, that'll go probably around plus 105 or minus money right there. Long shots, sure. Uh, T. Higgins plus 850 for the most receiving yards on Championship Sunday. If KC... Um, you know, kind of. I, I know, I know yeah. where you're going with this. You if go. they if they focus all of their attention on Jamar the way they did Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis gets off, you like T. Higgins. That's it, man. Plus eight fifty. That's pretty good value to throw a little bit at there. So I see you working. You know, it's kind of sort of hilarious to look back on who I took before the season. <laughs> who I would have taken if I had taken anybody at all. I went long shots. I took my shots because you talk me into it. I'm usually not about the future picks, but as you said, it's something to track the entire year. And then when you get to the end of the year, it's kind of fun. Chargers, Saints, Patriots, and I did hit. Urgh! I would have taken the Rams plus 1,600, which would have made things a lot more interesting this weekend. Well, they're great right now because if you didn't like a certain line on these games, you just go with the Rams because you have that big bet. So if you were to take that bet, it's, it's actually it helps you out a little bit if you didn't want to bet these it, numbers. It, right, because it's a tough weekend. This is Hell a tough yes. weekend. Those are Absolutely. tough, tough picks. All right, so reset them very quickly. It is championship weekend. We are down to three games. How do you have these two games? I know you'll put it up on Twitter, but what do you have? San Francisco 49ers plus three and a half at L.A. Kansas City at home minus seven over Cincy. Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl 56 MVP at plus 175. And our long shot for the weekends, T. Higgins plus 850 to have the most receiving yards on Sunday. I'm about to hit you with a big word, and I know that could be pretty scary to Uh you, but do you think you selecting the Niners is going to, quote, placate their fans who have been on you for thinking you have a negative bias against Kyle Shanahan, which is hilarious because nobody loves that family more than you do? I don't know if it'll placate them. They're on my, they're on me pretty good right now. So, and that is the funniest thing. I don't think there's a bigger honk in the world than me for the Shanahan family. So, I'm not sure if it will or not. Institutionalized, nailed it. Play, <laughs> nailed it. This dude's walking around, dapping himself up. Nailed it. Institutionalized, <laughs> nailed it. Placate, nailed it. Nailed it. We are joined by Keith Thurman. Keith, it is good to have you on. How are you? I'm good. How you guys doing today? Good, dude. Good. So this is your first fight in 30 months, which is obviously the longest time between fights in your career. What has that time been like off, the time off like for you, and how has camp gone? Uh, you know, the time off, uh, you know, had its ups and downs. You know, in the beginning, 
you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. And then COVID struck and we didn't know what was going to happen to sports, let alone the sport of boxing. And then slowly, you know, entertainment started to pick back up without fans and things started to happen. Meanwhile, my wife got pregnant. Uh, We have a beautiful baby girl now. She's about to be nine months old. And, uh, you know, so during this long time, fatherhood is a new chapter that stumbled upon me. Uh, It's a beautiful life experience. And eventually we just had to get back into a camp. We we said, look, man, enough's enough. Uh, I just need a good fight. Uh, I was offered a deal to fight in studios with no fans. It sounded boring, so I didn't take that fight. And then since then, I just didn't hear offers for a long time. After that, I called up my manager and said, we got to get back in the ring. I was trying to get back in the ring in December, but when I went to Vegas to commentate the Pacquiao fight, the last fight of his career, um, I ended up con- uh, conducting COVID myself. I was out for three weeks. My body uh, felt strong again after three weeks. I called the manager back up and I said, okay, I'm ready for a camp. I'm ready for a fight date. He said, well, we can't get you in this year. we got to put you into early next year. So we landed on a date February 5th. They gave me a few opponents, and Mario Barrios was the best man, uh, former ex-world champion, only one loss on his record. Everybody else had four losses, and, and they just seemed like uh, I didn't want to give the critics too much to talk about. They're always going to criticize me being an elite welterweight uh, they're always going to have something to say, but I think this is a great fight. Like you said, after 30 months, he put on a tremendous performance against Tank Davis, a pay-per-view event. Um, he's young. He's hungry. He's got a lot to show. He's, he was willing to sign his contract, which means he wants to prove something. So I'm looking forward to the challenge uh, February 5th. My man, that might be the best response to how you doing that I've ever heard. Good job. Man, I love that so much. You laid out so many fascinating things in that. We're talking to the former world champ, Keith Thurman, who's going to jump back in. So your last fight was that loss to Manny Pacquiao. It was a split decision. The first loss of your career, it ended your seven-year run as a champion. I'm curious, like, how did you process that? When you are the man and the champ for that long, and then all of a sudden now, I don't want to say you're back in line because you're still a top-flight contender. What was it like to lose for the first time in seven years? And then how did you process that? Uh, It was very frustrating. Um, After the fight, I had to have hand surgery. So I I was depressed from the fight. I was depressed from having to go into hand surgery and not 100% sure. Of course, I found the finest doctor I could in California, you know, um, and of course he said this is a simple procedure, but my hands are my living. So, of course, there was doubt in my mind. I'm simply a human being. There's doubt in my mind on if this is the right move or not, but I had to do it because um, I was tired of being in pain like I was in 2019. So post-fight, you know, I was the fighter who said, I got to, oh, I'm not afraid to let it go. If you can beat me, beat me. But that doesn't mean that I was looking forward to defeat, you know, and then Outside of that, as a competitor, I think it, I think the stab wound goes a little bit deeper when you lose in a sporting event that you are capable of winning. It's one thing for a team to lose to another team and they never had a shot of winning, or one tennis player faces another tennis player and they know that they're outclassed. But when you have that ability to win and you fall short, there's nobody else to blame besides yourself. So I blamed myself for a very long time after the fight. Um, And I did a lot of reflecting on what allowed Pacquiao to edge me out 
what mistakes did I make in my training camp? What did, mistakes did I make in my off-season, in my lifestyle, my lack of focus? W- what kind of mistakes did I make that would allow Pacquiao's a tremendous champion. I would never take anything away from him. But anybody who watched that fight knows how close Keith Thurman was to winning a fight when, he, when I suffered a knockdown in the first round. So I showed I had the skills to do the job. I just fell short, uh, and it hurt for a long time. The one blessing that came with this 30-month layoff is it gave me enough time to forgive myself for my mistakes in the past. Um, it, it's so long ago now, we got to let that stuff go. And we're manifesting this new me, this um, this 33-year-old fighter who is in his prime, who's wiser than ever, who's learned from his mistakes, who's opening up a new chapter of fatherhood. And really, you know, I just want to prove once again that I do have what it takes to be the number one welterweight. Um, like many great champions before me, a great champion can fall down, and we pick ourselves right back up. And that's my plan this year, starting right here, right now, next Saturday against Mario Barrios. Keith Thurman is joining us. Another great response. You know, you said something that somebody said to me recently and just said it generally. You said, I had to forgive myself. Like, you're probably beating yourself up over and over and over again. But this person said to me, and tell me if you agree with this, you have to forgive yourself in order to fight, right? To fight to get back to who you want to be or what you want to be. That can't happen until you forgive yourself. Am I right? You. You have to forgive yourself, and until you forgive yourself, how can you truly let go of the past, right? And if you don't let go of the past, how can you truly put your best foot forward and all your effort into the now and what today is all we have? Yesterday is already forgotten. It's already a past moment. All you have is right here, right now. You have to better yourself. People are waiting for, for certain things to align in their life. Better yourself today. What can you do today? Can you wake up earlier today? Can you uh, do something in your diet today? You know, can you tell your loved ones that you love them a little bit more today? What can you do today to make today a better day? Put more effort into today because the effort you put in today will carry you and and manifest a future reality for you. But it starts right here, right now. So I just had to let it all go um, so that I can be the fighter that I believe in myself to be, um, that I already know is manifesting in this moment uh, through the uh, 10, 11 weeks of training camp for this fight. My strength and conditioning is fabulous. Uh, My headspace is is terrific my focus is on point my team has been very supportive and that's because we we stopped focusing on the past uh on the past and we did everything in our power today so that we can have a great performance next saturday keith thurman joining us keith i'm really interested in this when you talk about the team obviously you put a team together to help you with every aspect to get yourself ready for a fight you know your trainer a nutritionist whatever maybe a masseuse but we're talking about your headspace i'm really fascinated by that did you add anybody to the team for that like how did you work or how did you improve your headspace as dramatically as you have Yes, I have a um, I have a holistic team. It's a tremendous facility um, called Tampa Bay Holistic Wellness here in Tampa Bay, Florida. And uh, Dr. Don Molina is the head traditional Chinese medicine doctor. She has a massage guy who's one of the best that I've ever worked with. Um, 
his name's Andreas. And then, you know, Don also does counseling with me. So we work, we work in acupuncture. We work with traditional Chinese medicine. But then we work on the energy in the body. We work on the headspace, you know. Um, when she first met me, she said I was a, a very yang. I was very, uh, you know, I had a lot of, it's not just positive. It's more, it's more of that masculine, you know, it's more masculine energy. She said I was very yang, yang dominant, like where it was almost too much, you know, and it comes with the field, but she's been advising me to adapt a little bit more yin into my nature, a little bit more openness, receptiveness, um, feminine, you know, on an energetic level, you know, I don't have to paint my nails or, or do any of those uh, things that are happening out here in the world today. But at the end of the day, every human being in the Taoist philosophy has the, the masculine and the feminine energy rising within them at all times. And you want a balance, you know, you want a balance of both energies so that you can be well-centered instead of being dominantly yin or dominantly yang and working with her um has definitely helped my headspace uh, I, I look forward to working in the future she's seen this transformation in this training camp because we've been working in my off season but i haven't been losing too much weight and uh she's been wondering when i'm really gonna show her the athlete that i can be and and now she sees it and last uh this monday she said, I'm very proud of you. They're, they're coming out to the fight, and I look forward to performing for them and well, uh, eventually getting say, back, working with them. Sorry, the Keith. I was going to say, sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, wait till she sees the finished product. Wait, and maybe you're never actually a finished product, but wait till she sees that version step between the ropes. So let me ask you, if you handle your business, if you handle the business the way you expect to handle your business against Barrios, who are you looking at next? I mean, I, I get the whole thing. I can't look beyond this guy. But would you go straight for a belt at that point? How do you, how do you approach it going forward? I mean, that's the ideal situation for Keith Thurman. I definitely want to go for the belt. Um, I, I barely lost my belt, you know, marginal split decision to Pacquiao. Um, the champion, you know, Ugas that's there today would not be in that situation if Keith Thurman hasn't lost. Everybody who's going after that title uh, that, I, that I lost, uh, I just feel like it was the mistake that I made that allowed for this to manifest in the world of boxing. So I want to redeem that mistake. I want to get in the ring with these champions and and just have a great fight later on this summer. I think we can make a really big, terrific fight. Um, it's not just because I am Keith Thurman, but I think Keith Thurman fights are great fights. Um, I get tremendous feedback from all the fans, and I just love knowing that I'm one of the most exciting let alone talented individuals in the welterweight division. I love the fact that I bring the excitement. I bring the charisma. I know how to promote a fight, and I know how to uh, box. I know how to punch. I know how to box. You know, that's that little bit of Muhammad Ali in me, the boxer puncher. You know, we're going to see what comes out. Uh, I might have to meditate and uh, awaken my little Mike Tyson without the ear biting, you know, just uh, get that Mike Tyson, get back on that yang energy just for a few nights. Uh, for fight night, but at the end of the day, uh, I just love the sport of boxing. I got so much more to give. Once when we get this ball rolling February 5th, we got to keep the momentum going and just keep bringing the fans some great, 
uh, fight later this year. I'm going to say something straight up. I love what I'm hearing. I love what I'm hearing. I love this conversation. He's the former unified welterweight world champion, 29-1, 22 KOs, making his return Saturday against Mario Berrios. Thurman v. Berrios, live on Fox Sports, PBC, pay-per-view. That's February 5th. Let me be clear about that. February 5th. Keith, it's great to have you back. Can't wait to see the fight. Great talking to you. And let's be sure we do this again real soon, man. You're good for my product, too. Awesome, my man. Thank you for all the support. And I hope you're tuning in to the show. Uh, Thanks for having me, my man. You got it. One of the best people to call this show is not actually a person at all, but rather a dog. And not just any dog, but Paul's dog. Hey, Paul's dog, what's up? Has Rit been chewing the phone wires because they look like red vines? Superior to licorice. Maybe he needs a cone of shame. Anyway, how about those underdogs making noise in the NFL playoffs? Well, except for the Bills, Paul went through his crappy black-and-white TV like it was a folding table. He's got a concussion. Well, go Chiefs! Can't have a cat team in the Super Bowl. Speaking of underdogs, I have a message for the smack-off people. I'll bark you down, no mercy shown. Heaven knows it's got to be a dog's time. Cracking these pathetic dweebs. Keep racking me and I'll be a smack-off champion. Champion forever. Forever. Roar, St. Bernard Sumner. Rough me, rum route. The dog can sing. That dog's game is evolving. That dog's game is getting better. That dog just earned a golden ticket. I've got a golden ticket. I've got a golden ticket. Alvin, did we have a good week? Let me know. It's good to have you, Fred. How are you? Good. Hey, long time, first time. Hey, I got a song for you Raider fan. Ring, 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 ring. What did John Fox say? Oh, what a Monday. Welcome to the jungle. My name is Jim Rome. It really was the greatest weekend in NFL history. Like a total adrenaline rush from the first game to the last. Buffalo, are you living? Because frankly, I'm not sure that one goes away. Ever. Yeah! The kick is on its way for Butker. Oh! It is good! Oh! In 13 seconds. 13 seconds away from me coming to your house this weekend. And it all slipped away. I would love to say I feel your pain pills, Mafia, but even you probably can't describe it at this point. How two alleged defensive gurus could let Kelsey and Hill run free in the middle of the field will piss me off till the day I die. It was a depressed area. Xerox, Kodak, they all left the place. O.J. Simpson. Touchdown! It's Gabriel. Gabriel Davis joining us. If the coin flipped the other way and it would have been our ball, I mean, we wouldn't be talking about uh, if we wanted to change the rule, right? A shootout like that, I mean, to not even give the other team a chance to fight for it is heartbreaking. You know, it was devastating. Dan Wessel joining me for another moment or so. Bill's fan are conditioned to know that hope is a dangerous thing. Hope 
is a good thing. So you never hope. He is Darius Butler. And Matt Stafford, he's done really all career, even when he was in, you know, the poop hole Detroit that was holding him back. Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce joining us. Maybe they have our number. Well, you do. You do think that. Yes, it's in your head. So to wipe out those thoughts, it's all about the preparation. My wife is my biggest I will believe this dude is retired when a full season of games are played and he's not a part of it and not a second before that. I just want this guy to retire from this should I retire or not retire routine. Uh, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship. Daniel Jeremiah joining us. When I was growing up, you know, my dad was a pastor, so we might be talking about what Wednesday night Bible study was like. This kid was talking about cover two and cover three with his dad. Or I Ray, Ed Reed, and Andrew Luck welcoming Aaron Rodgers to the trash can fire by singing We Are Family. Two things. Bum smack is still not allowed. And then number two, Ed Reed, Andrew Luck, and Aaron Rodgers do not look like bums. Well, Trapper, what is your beef? Email. When you live in Michigan, zero degrees outside, and the Hubs releases a Dutch oven fart so vile you have to air out the covers. Jim, my beef with paper straws. It practically disintegrates in my mouth. Jimmy, I got a beef with the guy who's worried about what kind of straw he's using. You probably shouldn't be drinking out of the glass, dude. Here in SoCal, Parker. Parker, what's your beef? Parker, what's happening, Rome? How you doing? Good, dude. But if I say Parker, what's your beef? Your reaction need not be Parker. Who is Parker? Who is Parker? <laughs> 14 1,000 yard seasons. He is Jerry Rice. Jerry, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I didn't realize I had 14 1,000 yards. You knew that. No, I didn't. Wow. Are you aware that you're in the Hall of Fame, too? <laughs> Matt in L.A. I'm waiting on a masterpiece. He's calling his shot. The Hall of Farce needs to get its act together. Yo, BBWA. My reaction to that masterpiece? Hey, it's been a long time. Now your ticket's gone. Back to work. Twiddle. Nice call, plumber. <laughs> Listen, listen, I don't know about any reports. No way. A teammate of Kyrie Irving doesn't like being a teammate of Kyrie Irving. Who saw that coming? Besides the entire world. Thank you to John Elway. Elway would probably let Hackett put a saddle right on his back and ride him to and from the parking lot. No, this doesn't. Frank Martin. At the end of the day, I'm a fighter. When my team doesn't fight, it hurts my feelings. By the end of the season, I was defeated. We always talk about us old geezers who got to teach the young ones, and those young ones teach us too. Because in my mid-60s, I ain't going to be around long if I don't do some reinventing myself. And with that kind of material that you get out to me, it helps me a lot, brother. I appreciate brother, it. appreciate the love for the reinvention project. We'll all bark you down, no mercy show. Heaven knows it's got to be a dog's time. Let me just tell you, if you're listening right now, if you go to a burger place and you don't get fries or milkshake, what is even going through your skull? What kind of life are you trying to live? Look, dude, Kyle was institution uh inst uh let's institutionalized nailed it you freaking frog freaking patrick mahomes family thanks for having me on again jeff parker go niners if there's any company out there that's thinking about advertising and they haven't advertised with you they are morons i appreciate you having me on thanks yeah i appreciate you for having me outro it's a fun time promise you in the off season i'm gonna come find you i'm buying you dinner stinky poo poo giants very yang yang dominant i've got my own assignment find gear so i don't freeze to death again stay tuned next week good night now another good week another really good week alvin nice job Good night now!